Welcome to Some Would Say. Casual chats for curious people. Your weekly podcast hosted by us, Amelia Rose and Lara May, unpacking all things life from the arts to well-being, from work to play and hearing what others have to say. Today, we are joined by Jesse Marshall, the director of one of Australia's leading PR firms, Hive. This chat was a valuable window into the life of a PR whiz. We hear what she had to say on all things career in the public relations world, from her go, go, go mentality to her finest tips on breaking into the industry. We know you guys are going to love this chat, especially the would you rathers. Let's bring in Jesse. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. We are so glad to have you on. And a, a question that we ask all guests to start out is, if we were to take you on a night out, what is your DJ song request and why? And what would we order you to drink? Okay, so margarita, hands down, is the drink of choice. I don't even have to think about that because, oh, I'm in lockdown in Sydney at the minute. I think it's week 12. I'm not really sure. Oh, my but, gosh. Um, I've been drinking a lot of margaritas, so I just feel like it's a it's a theme for me. Yeah, love it. Um, my song choice, I had to like really dive into this uh, when, like when I knew that that was like one of your key questions. Yeah. So I went through my Spotify <laughs> playlist to see like what like what is it that I listen to because I <laughs> like couldn't pick one, and I think that's the dancer in me. I used to dance years ago and. I was like, oh my gosh, like, what's my song? What's my song? I think it's a mix between Flo Rida and Calvin Harris would get me on the dance floor. Oh, good choice. Any Calvin Harris songs that you can think of? Oh, I can't think of any, but I was like, what is going on with my playlist? Like it was <laughs> Flo Rida, Calvin Harris, Justin Timberlake. I was like, wow, we need to... <laughs> We need that to contrast. So yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Oh, that's the best. Not gonna lie, they are some a great artists that would have some awesome tunes. I would definitely be dancing up there with you. <laughs> so Jesse, yeah. um, I think it takes you back to your childhood—not childhood, like your high school, your think your early twenties. First, going out for the dance to the dance floor. That's what it reminds me of. Yep, hundred percent. I agree. So Jesse, um, for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about your upbringing and who Jesse Marshall is. Yeah, great question. Uh, so I'm the oldest, and I start this with like a big, a big breath. I am the oldest out of 21 cousins on the Marshall side of my family. <laughs> Holy moly! So my dad's family is huge. My dad's one. <laughs> my dad's one of ten, which is wow. like you know. Back in the olden days, you know, 10, a family of 10 is like huge. Like I could not even consider that now. But it just feel it feels like we're like the Brady Bunch. We're so large and we're so family. We're not Italian or Greek. Like we don't come from that sort of a background where it's, you know, in our blood, so to speak. Mm. Just a big Catholic family. Um, so oldest and it's just my sister and I. So, you know, that transition of 
family of 10 did not carry on in my immediate family. Yeah. We lived in Canberra. That's where I was born. Quite a boring city, I would say. And then we moved to the Gold Coast and I must have been 13. Lived there up until I was 22 and then I moved to Sydney. So did high school, finished school and then, yeah, started my career. But I think the most unusual thing about me is that, yeah, we, we I come from a large a very large family we all get together um every second year for christmas um and we like it's like the marshall olympics it's, it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, from someone that comes from a, like a quite a small fa- immediate family like i've always wondered what it's like to, to I have know. that i know my um yeah Introdu- it, would, it would be really overwhelming for anyone that what doesn't understand that like i've had friends come and attend the Marshall family gathering. And for me, it's just normal. But for mm. them, if they're not used to that, it's very overwhelming. Yeah, totally. I can imagine. My Both my mom and dad came from pretty large families, like seven kids. And then, yeah, the, the, the um, what do you call it? The tradition didn't continue on. Like I'm an only child. Um, I've got a half-sister that you've actually met. You worked with... Um, at one of your events. So that's pretty crazy. Christian. Oh. Yeah. At, yeah, um, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I know. But yeah, crazy. Um, I can imagine that would be wild having that many family members around <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. And we're kind of all scattered across the globe. I mean, majority are uh, still in Australia and there's a few that are overseas. Um, and we have this Marshall family chat and the chat sometimes is just so full on. You're going back, like scrolling through 33 messages to figure out like where what's someone going is, on. what's happening, you know, cause everyone like chiming in at different times. So, I mean, look, it's, it's amazing. I wouldn't have it any other way. I found it odd as a child growing up when someone would say, I don't know my cousins. Cause for me, that was just, you know, being the oldest out of that line, you know, it was important to me to have a connection with each of them. And maybe that was just the older sibling, like being a part of me, but mm. it felt weird that if you didn't know your cousins, I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Like we, I catch up with my cousins, you know, every two years we have this like huge Marshall Olympic um, fiesta basically. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, as I've gotten older, I've realized, um, how unusual it actually is to have a family of that size and to all still be like quite close. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really appreciate that in my, you know, older, older years. Oh, that's awesome. Well, the, um, how you were saying the text messages, it sounds like that probably prepared you for a life in PR pretty well, getting back to all those comms. <laughs> straight away like following up on what's happening (laughs) um speaking of PR can you take us back to the beginning and chat about where your career in PR begun yeah good question I feel as though I have had a thousand lives because PR was definitely not the first thing that I got into and I wish I wish at 16 someone said you just need to be in PR because then I (laughs) wouldn't have had the thousands of jobs. Although they taught me so much, my gosh, it was a journey. So when I finished school, I went into beauty therapy 
because I didn't do, I went to a Queensland school, so I didn't do my OP. Um, I don't even know if that is still a thing, HSE. I didn't mm. get do it to get my university um, degree. So, yeah, went and started in beauty therapy at a TAFE, started in a salon and worked in the beauty industry for about mm, five to six years. So I worked in the salon originally, then I went brand side and started working for brands um, as a sales manager. Then I moved to Sydney and um, worked with a more cosmeceutical style brand and we worked with plastic surgeons. And that's when I really sat back and thought, oh my gosh, I can't, I don't want to do this for the rest of my you know, years. Yeah. I also didn't want to start a skincare brand and I didn't want to start a salon. So it was kind of, I had this awakening moment of what is it at you know 25 that you really, really want to do? Now, during all of that in the background, I also taught dance and started a dance studio. So wow. that was also like meddling in the background throughout that whole entire period. And then I decided I'll go back to uni and I'll study PR because I looked at the role that I was doing um, in the beauty industry and thought, okay, I really like the marketing side of things. I like what the events team's doing. So how do I get into that? And realized that I potentially needed a degree. So started doing uni. I didn't finish uni because I got a job um, in the PR industry and it kind of just took off from there. And that's kind of how I got into PR. Like that full circle is how I got into PR. So I worked in the industry for three to four years for a few different agencies and then realized I just really wanted my own thing. And that's how Hive was, was born. And here we are three years into Hive. Wow. Yeah, wow. That's such a good reminder to people that they don't necessarily always have to finish a degree. Mm. Like I think there's, I mean, it, and degrees are great and we learn so much from them, but it's absolutely not necessary like all the time. And the fact that you got a job before you even finished is so cool. And you probably learnt more on the job than you would of finishing anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I think this comes back to so my parents, both teachers, so me not going to university at first, they were like, what, what do you mean? You're not going to go to university. No, it's just not me. And when I look back at myself as a beauty therapist or even as a dance teacher, because I was doing the job or doing the task, I'm better. I learn in that instance. Mm -hmm. If you put me in front of a textbook, I do not learn. It doesn't sink in. It goes in one ear and out the other. I have to be doing so I think for me, university and me just did not see eye to eye. <laughs> and that's why, you know, I've just always found a way. I'm like, it's not no, how can I make it work? So that I think is why the business has been so successful. That is why I didn't need necessarily the university degree. I admire people that were able to do the three or four years because I just did not have the tenacity to do that mm. at all. Yeah, I, it's funny because my background, um, I started out in pharmacy and then changed like a bazillion times uni degrees until finally I worked in a role in events. Um, and yeah, that was when I decided that I wanted to go to uni and do my bachelor's degree in business and have my majors as marketing and events. And I ended up smashing it out very quickly because I was just like, fuck, like, let's just get this over with. Mm -hmm. But I always say to people, like, if you want to go into events, you know what? The best experience for events is like 
getting out there and actually doing it. Like mm. a textbook isn't going to teach you what to do when something goes wrong, you know. I feel like life yeah, experience. absolutely. I was learning about theories on, you know, all these professors in PR, fine. I understand people like the history and knowing the origin, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Except we were learning about how to send out a press release by a fax machine. Now, <laughs> I, oh my God. I never used a fax machine in my career. So if, if that was actually relevant, maybe it would have been more inspiring yeah. for me. I was going, why am I learning about a fax machine when there is no way that I'm going to be using one? Oh my gosh. Uh, so yeah, university and me didn't, didn't see eye to eye. <laughs> oh, can relate. I, I used to work as a receptionist for a dermatology practice and um, I'm pretty sure my supervisor thought I was so dumb because I couldn't use the fax machine. I'm like, what century are you from? Like, <laughs> I'm, oh, I felt like so silly, but I, at the same time, I was like, who uses these these yeah. days? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Who uses these things? Yeah. So yeah, I just think the I think there's definitely a purpose for university and someone wanting to to do it. It just was not for me. And at times I think, yeah, if someone had told me at, you know, 16, just, just going to PR, although I wouldn't have had the life experience, I would have saved myself a lot of firing and looking for other jobs and then like resigning from that job and moving on to the next one. I just hopped through jobs all the time. It was so hard to find something steady, but I suppose it definitely full circle has brought me back to, yeah, I obviously really love this because I haven't wanted to change jobs. Yeah, that, that's such good advice. Um, Jesse, take us through a day in the life of a PR whiz. How has this changed since being in lockdown too? Yes, lots of FaceTimes these days uh, being in lockdown and that's just from a communication point perspective. I think in a normal day when we weren't in lockdown, the days were very different. So we might have had an event, we may have had coffee meetings, we may have um, been going to, I don't know, a talk with a, a thought leader or something along those lines that isn't happening at all. Everything now is, I guess, online. So FaceTimes with the team in the morning to get a catch up on like where they are, what assistance they might need uh, so I can help them. And then I have been coming into the office so that we can send out packages if they're needed to go out because media still have to write their stories. So they might, you know, have to call in a particular product because they need it. And that is really it. A lot of emailing outside of that, that the world of PR has, has definitely changed and we've had to come up with new ways of doing things that are much more in that virtual sense as opposed to it being face-to-face. Mm, yeah. And for anyone listening, um, I've worked with Jesse in the past and everyone at Hive is the best on comms. Like if you've got an email, they'll, they're getting back to you in like 10 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> uh, for, um, for everyone to get a bit of context, because I feel like a lot of people don't really understand what PR is. Could you talk to us about like your definition of it or yeah, kind of give us a little bit more insight? Yeah. So ultimately my job is to gain positive brand awareness for our brands. That is the simplest way I can put it. So whether that is working with um, influencers or talent to, you know, have them use or promote or wear the product, 
that to me is a, as is brand awareness and is positive. That could also mean that they're featured on a podcast or they're in the newspaper or they're on the TV or they're on an online magazine. That also is brand awareness. And then the secondary to that would be that it might be a brand collaboration. So it might be two brands working together to create a giveaway or a gift with purchase offer. Um, so that in summary is what we are trying to achieve. I think you're right. PR is very gray because it's not as if you put money in and know specifically what you're getting back. The way that I explain that or give, can give an example is Facebook ads, people put money in, they put, you know, a hundred dollars in and they know potentially how many people that's going to reach. PR is a little bit different. You don't necessarily know because you're not paying for the space. You're doing everything as what we would say is editorial. So me speaking to the editor at Pop Sugar to get your brand on there is me literally brokering my relationship and giving her information and maybe offering her talent to interview to get that piece of coverage, which then the brand can use as content wherever they see fit. Mm-hmm. That's the roundabout way yeah. of um, talking about it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's complex. It's not, um, it's yeah, it's this gray area. It's not black, it's not white, mm. but ultimately it's to gain the brand positive uh, awareness. Yeah. yeah. It's almost as if they're paying for your contacts in, in a sense, isn't it? Like they're paying for the relationships that you've formed um, over time. Yeah, exactly. To reach You're out. paying for the, yeah, the black book of, of context yeah. or, or ways of doing things. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And they're like, it's kind of indirect sales. I know a lot of, some business people are very... I don't know. They've got like certain opinions about PR because you, like you said on Facebook, you don't get that like direct sort of transaction. Whereas PR is like indirect and who knows, like if, if you got an article for a brand in daily mail, like their products could blow up kind of thing. It's all that. Yeah. It's building, building up those um, resources. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is really hard to put an ROI or a monetary factor to PR and it is to supplement or work in conjunction with your marketing plan. So it's not something that you can just do solely. It has to be that 360 approach. And I think that's sometimes where people might might go wrong or they think that PR is just media exposure or they think PR is just influencer exposure. It's kind of all encompassing. You kind of need all of it to gain um ideally the the result Mm, yeah definitely jesse what have been your biggest pinch me moments in business yeah so so many when we are sitting in this like gray area it's really hard to know you do a lot of outreach to get that one little win so one little win could be today we got a mention in pop sugar and and Mamma Mia and I just like I was like yes this is amazing our job for this week is done you know that excitement and that is incredible I also look back at uh fashion week which was in May and we packed full for our client the runway show with over 600 guests which is crazy to think now we're in lockdown and you know can't go near anyone but that feeling of seeing a packed out runway show I definitely stood back and felt overwhelmed with what the team had achieved and then 
I also think getting coverage for, so some of my friends live on the Gold Coast. She actually owns a uh, cheerleading company and we got her on the front page, I think of the Courier Mail at the time. And even that tiny little win, you know, we did it as a favor to a friend, but then seeing the success of what that could mean to somebody, you know, it might mean that she gets more inquiries to her cheer shooter. That to me is such a nice moment. So I would say all of them are pinch me moments in reflection because in the day-to-day you're just looking for that tiny little bite-sized win to take away. Yeah, that's so good. Well, you, you've definitely had so many successful moments for all of all of your clients, but I think um, it's really refreshing, especially for anyone who is maybe starting out in business. Do you have any, I don't know, scenarios that went wrong or mistakes you've made in business? So many, <laughs> so many mistakes. So my first mistake, largest mistake would have been ordering stock from a client and a pallet of stock. I don't know if you know how large a pallet of stock is, but it's huge. (laughs) Arrived. It could not fit in the lift of our office because of how large, like you need a industrial size lift to take a pallet of stock. Yeah. I remember calling my partner, bawling my eyes out thinking, what have I done? I was in a shared office space at the time. So having that amount of stock was just such an overwhelming experience it was fine it was all handled with within the day but it was just one of those moments where you go how did that how did I communicate that I needed that much stuff because <laughs> there was definitely miscommunication. oh my gosh I know Somewhere. those feelings and then most recently I would say I we need to move from our shared office space into our own office which was a great milestone as some would like to you know celebrate I took a risk on a property, very large risk, and, you know, we move in, everything's fine, everything's fine for about three months, and then there is this day where I come in and I can hear this banging in, we have a little storage type room, this banging, and I thought, I'm not going to open the door of of that, I'm just going to leave it, and my co-worker said, Jesse, I think there is a bird in there. (gasps) No way, it's literally this storage room in the middle of a building so how a bird ever got in there you know i'm thinking oh you've got to be crazy there's definitely no bird in there. <laughs> anyway as the hours went on i started to come to terms with there was definitely a bird in the storage room because there was a hole in the roof oh shit so i had to call the landlord i had to call wires to come get said bird you know just i didn't inspect the property enough to know that there were going to be so many issues yeah I mean fine we've moved out we're in a very nice office space now <laughs> we don't have those issues anymore but it was a learning because I just thought oh my gosh I just rushed into wanting our own office very quickly and didn't consider the repercussions of what that might uh feel like in the weeks to come so yeah <laughs> well look at you now yeah, no birds. No birds <laughs> no around. Birds can get into this office. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was. It, you know, I think to anyone starting out, there is always going to be a road hump. You know, there is always going to be something that you have to get across. But ensuring that you've got people around you to support you, mm. and 
in time you'll just laugh at some of the situations yeah and I think it's good to remember that mistakes don't suddenly stop happening either like they might get fewer and far between because you learn from them and you know but at the end of the day like mistakes are a part of life yeah (laughs) I think people need to remember that definitely yeah and learning from them as well some of um my if you want to call them mistakes have been some of our biggest you know growing periods as well so I don't yeah nothing is really a negative as long as you can take something away from it for sure speaking of I guess getting into the industry of PR do you have any tips around this I would offer your time to work experience internships just get in there and get the experience again that just comes from me who isn't one to you know sit down and read through a textbook Mm -hmm. just go apply at your favorite agency and ask if you can you know even give them one day a week to just get the experience because I think the on-ground experience is what is key to getting that paid role. And you know what? You might do the internship and think, oh, my God, that sucked. I don't want to be packaging up packages to people. I don't want to do influencer um, research. So, yeah, I would just say put your hand up, go in and get some experience. Are there any skills that you think are, like, key in PR that you would recommend people, like, refining? Oh, uh, I think you have to be a hard worker. I really think it's it's hustle day to day. It's a lot of outreach. You have to be okay with the answer no or and finding an alternative because on the day to day, you're reaching out to, you might reach out to 10 influencers and all of them say no, they don't want to work with a brand. Mm. You just have to find like the next best thing, you know? Yeah. yeah, it's hard work, hustle, tenacity. You just have to be willing to keep giving it a go. As a musician, having worked with some PR um, in the past, I feel like you also need to be onto the deadlines as well. So as a PR agent, like you're constantly needing to get things in over the line before, say, the article comes out or, you know, I mean, so you need to be on speedy with the deadlines and emails as well. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that, yes, Absolutely. It's everything that we do is quite reactive. So if an editor writes to us, you have to be quick to respond because otherwise your story is somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you are 100% right. You have to be ready to go at any moment and you also have to be willing to take no as an answer and find what is going to be the next best alternative. So we might say to Daily Mail, we've got an exclusive but they might say no and then it's okay well what's the, what's the next best thing because you still want the client at the end of the day to have the coverage you still want them to have the win so it's finding the next win even if that one is a no totally and i think people saying no like it's you'd probably have to have a bit of a tough shell as well because some days they'll say no and other days they'll say yes and it just it's so many things come into it come into play like their mood that day Mm. um I don't know so many factors yeah so many external factors that you can't control you think like this is the best pitch of my life (laughs) (laughs) and then it's like uh no (laughs) Yeah, and it falls dead and you think, okay, I've completely missed the mark here. What was missing from that pitch? And, yeah, I think you just have to be that person that's just, like, willing to, you know, keep keep trying. Yeah, It's the same as, um, I know Amelia will know this, you do an EDM and you send it out to your database of people and you think, okay, that sucked. 
and you try again. You mm-hmm. just have to find find what it is. There, that's why I think the small wins are so amazing. Like opening up the paper on the weekend and seeing your client in it. That that is such a great feeling because your job that you hit so many people for has now been completed. Mm-hmm. And you're then looking at the next thing. So, yes, I think you definitely have to have a lot of tenacity for the industry, but you have to be someone that likes that, likes the roller coaster ride, likes the rush that it gives you because there is a lot of pressure and it's more internal pressure. It's internal pressure on you, right? So it's just if you're the person that likes the rush or not. As someone who's not in marketing, can someone please explain what EDM? Because <laughs> all I'm thinking of is like electronic dance music right oh. now. <laughs> I actually always forget what it stands for, but it's essentially your email that you send out to oh. your database. <laughs> what does it stand for? Electronic data yeah. something. Man- management. Electronic digital marketing. Oh. I think. Digital marketing? Electronic digital marketing? I could be wrong. Um, but it's if you go into your email, I'm certain you would have, you know, JB Hi-Fi have sent you a, this is their exclusive offer. Mm. You know, just all those emails that everybody generally deletes, that's an ADM. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Something actually touching on that, how you were saying um, you really need to be okay with the highs and lows and like the adrenaline and that sort of thing. In terms of health, like how do you unwind? Because I know when I was doing some PR stuff in the past, it's such like, yeah, you really get so like mm, <laughs> you get highly so strung, like, yeah, wound up. Mm. How do you like chill out, relax? Like this is this is your off and this is your on kind of thing. Do you have that differentiation or are you just always on? Always on. Uh, it's a... So my partner is a performance coach who does coaching with high performance people around ensuring that they're hitting their goals, having downtime, mindfulness, all all the things that I should be doing. And I just (laughs) don't have that switch. We go for a walk in the morning, a meditation. (laughs) That is the only one minute of mindfulness that I have. And then honestly, it's emails, 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 emails. I don't have an off switch. It's a really bad trait. I think that is the only reason though that Hive has gotten to where it has been in in the three years Mm. is because I don't have an off switch. It is really hard in this industry to have an off switch because the moment that you think to yourself, okay, you know what, today I'm going to put my phone down and finish it at five and I'm not going to look at my emails again, something goes wrong. An influencer doesn't post on time. I don't know. An article goes live. The team texts and says, I need help on this. So the moment that I think, okay, today's the day, it's, it never, it never happens. So I don't know how to enforce that in my life when I get very quickly, uh, what's the word? Like I get very quickly distracted because of that. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess it's all about how you, how you internalize the pressure, because if, if you're not getting anxious from doing like from always being on, then it's clearly not an issue for like for you personally but maybe for someone else they do need that kind of even if it's a moment of downtime you know what I mean yeah definitely definitely I think I am a person that runs at a hundred or nothing so there there I definitely have had times um you know in my life as any business owner would where you 
um, have full exhaustion and just need like the weekend on the bed and not moving, watching Netflix. Absolutely. Do I have weekends like that? Of course, like anybody. Mm. But do am I a person that runs at, at you know, 90% all the time? And I think that's just my DNA. That's just my makeup. And I, as a person, can survive uh, running at that. I'm sure people, my partner definitely looks at me and thinks, oh, my gosh, like, when are you going to take a nap? <laughs> I'm not a napper. I can't nap. It's just not in me. So, yeah, it definitely does come down to, like, you as a person. Um but I appreciate those that definitely do need more zen in their life. I am envious and sometimes wish I had that switch off, but I definitely don't. And I'm sure that's like a great trait to have in PR. But I think for our listeners, it's important to know that you can be one of those people that need to take downtime and you can also have success as well. Like, you know, there are t- two kinds of people in this world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I said, my partner runs his own business and he's all about mindfulness. He does, you know, meditation in the morning, naps throughout the day, 20 minute naps, they're all timed. Um, He wants to go to bed at nine o'clock because no phone time after, you know, he has a complete process and he's just as successful. We are polar opposites in terms of business though. I'm sure he looks at how I run my day and thinks, that is exhausting. I look at his day and I'm like, have you done anything? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's oh, such so um, true. Such a good perspective. Um, Jesse, what have you got coming up that people should, uh, the people listening should be aware of? What's Hive got on the horizon? Oh, it is a hard one. I'm personally, we're supposed to be getting married in November. Oh, oh congratulations. <laughs> yeah, whether that goes ahead or not is at the moment a 50-50 gamble who really knows and then business wise we are at the moment just looking to obviously expand our team um our client base uh so yeah I don't really have it I don't really have too much that I can share to be honest I wish I had more I mean some of our brands have some amazing collaborations coming up which is really exciting so yeah if you want to stay um, in touch in that way, it's probably best to head to our Instagram page for for those upcoming announcements. Yeah, that was we were going to ask where can we find you? What's your Instagram handle? This is actually one of a learning for those in business. So our Instagram handle is hq.hive. Our name, however, is Hive, and our website is publicityhive.com. So <laughs> one hundred and one in business. It's really hard to get a website and an Instagram with all of the same name. So that is a huge fuck up on, on my <laughs> So everyone calls us H- H- <laughs> Everyone calls us HQ Hive. Some people call us Publicity Hive. We are just Hive HQ. So you can find us at hq.hive on Instagram and publicityhive.com on the website. Oh, that's amazing. So, that's Thank a great you. lesson to learn yeah. for everyone listening. <laughs> and um, we love to end our chat with a little bit of fun. And so we have put together four unknown questions in a would you rather format. So are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Number one. Would you rather secure a news article for a client or secure a famous influencer? Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> Who's the client? 
Uh, <laughs> a really important one. <laughs> oh, okay. It depends. I have to. I have to preface. It it depends on the client because if the client is um, actually okay, no, I take it back. Influencer or talent, because then I can put it into the newspaper. Oh, okay. She's thought about this. Yeah. (laughs) Problem solver. All right. Question number two. Would you rather always have to be brutally honest about a product or never get to choose who you work with? Brutally honest. Oh, okay. I mean, honesty is the best policy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Most of the time. (laughs) Okay, number three. <laughs> Would you rather email privy information about a client to the wrong client or send a nude to one of your clients? <laughs> Jesse's partner might need to do some mindfulness <laughs> mindfulness about this question later. Cue meditation. No. <laughs> Well, actually, I would probably send a nude and I say this because our clients are like our friends. So they, they'd be like, oh, standard Jesse. Um, <laughs> yeah. Classic Jesse sending like nudes on email. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they would be more receptive to that than, you know, confidential information. Yeah, totally. I'm cool yeah. with that. That's yeah, great. yeah, and it's kind of like laugh. Like you can kind of laugh that one off. Like ah, yeah, sorry. Whereas like I feel like the first is yeah. like fuck, you really fucked up there. You know? <sighs> yeah, that could that could mean losing a client. Um, you know, depending on what the information was. But this, you know, it's just my body. Like what could go wrong? Yeah, exactly. Plus, I, I love that we've we've come into that age where nudity is not really that weird anymore. No, you yeah. know what I mean. It's more acceptable. We're just yeah. like, oh, they're naked in my emails. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, I would have been like, oh, didn't you see that I was using your body cream? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, final final question. Jesse, would you rather be in damage control for a client's crazy PR scandal? and your brand get brought into it or always miss the mark when pitching brands? Oh, how bad is the scandal? <laughs> how bad is the scandal? Really bad. <laughs> so hard. It's, that is so hard because I'm not a crisis manager. So I, I, anything that's outside of like beauty and fashion, I go, oh, I really don't know. Mm. But I also don't like the idea of like having to miss the mark on all our pictures. <laughs> I feel like either way, it's like not the best. <laughs> yeah, it's not the best. I think um, missing the mark on pictures because you can always learn from that. An editor will always give you feedback on why. So they might say, no, this isn't the right section or not the right editor or not right now. We'll look at this in September. So missing the mark on pitching based on from a relationship perspective should be fine because you get the feedback from the editor as to why. So I'll choose that because I don't like scandals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is, this has been some great insight into the world of PR. Thank you so much for joining us, Jesse. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was so great to see you both and to chat. So thanks for having me so much.
You're so welcome. Thanks for listening to today's chat. If you loved what we had to say, hit subscribe, leave us a review and find us on Instagram at some would say podcast. Talk then.